Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. All right, so I've been noticing, in fact, that just yesterday um, that I've been um, doing things and caring about things that like guys my age care about. Like uh, we were just driving down the road and uh, with Gina, and I'm like, I'm reading the signs as we go by, like Walmart, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I guess that's what guys my age do now, as you drive around, just kind of mumble and read signs as we go." And uh, I've also, um, whenever I go swimming, like I uh, now I wear a uh, like a long sleeve swim shirt, and my uh, daughters call it my old man shirt. And they're like, "What what are you wearing that for?" It's like, well, I just care about different things now. I care more about skin cancer than I care about looking stupid. I'm just going to wear that shirt. It doesn't matter. And I'm finding like the older I get, the more I care about my lawn. Why does that become more important when you get older? But it's like, it's like really, really important to me now. The lawn is, and uh, just things like that just keep changing. I, I've noticed that like um, as I get older now, you can, um, at any time of the year, um, I know exactly where the snowpack is uh, compared to average. It's like, this is something like old guys know. So anytime you want to know where we are, I can tell you the percentage of our snowpack. I'm sure that pretty soon I'm going to get really like wrapped up in our homeowners association. That's got to be like the next thing that I got to care about, right? And so we're at these different stages in our lives and we care about different things. And so I guess the question that I have for you is what do you care about? What do you care about? And when did you start caring about those things? And how did you start caring about them? We're in this series right now, starting a new series called Go, and it's all culminating. It's leading up to our Serve the City on August 7th. We're going to go out. We're not going to have church that weekend. We're going to serve the city. We're going to go out and do missions. We're going to touch the city with the love of Christ. But we're talking about missions and telling. We're talking today about local missions, and then we're talking about personal missions, and we're going to be talking about foreign missions. And I wanted to start this whole series. I didn't want to talk about the commands that you have, that you have to go out there and do these things. I didn't want you to, to, to learn about the responsibilities, about the duties that we have as Christians. I wanted to talk about your burden. In fact, I want you to find a burden. I want to know what do you care about? Because we need a burden. Listen, because if you, you're supposed to do it, you'll go out there and you'll do it. And your will can only take you so far, right? And you'll do some good things for a little while. But if you have a burden, you're going to change the world. People like Martin Luther King Jr. had a burden where he had to do something about it. It just weighed on his heart. And he went out there. And I'm telling you, listen, if you have a burden for something, you can change the world. I look at Paul. In fact, if you have your Bible, open it up to Romans 9, verse 1, and the, the burden that he carried. Now, uh, Andy Stanley, he says that, uh, he imagines that um, Paul got together with the, uh, all the apostles, and he said that they got a whiteboard out, and then he drew a little map, and, and then uh, he had Jerusalem, and then he had Judea. And he circled those and he said, okay, now apostles, you can take Jerusalem, you can take Judea, which is kind of like the county that they were in. So you take that, and you know what? I'll just take everything else. I'll take the rest of the world. 
And see, us, the reason that we're here right now, the reason that you and I know Jesus is because of Paul, what God did through Paul. That's why it spread like rapid fire because of his burden. And look at this burden here in Romans 9, verse 1. Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. So listen to me. This is the truth. This is where I'm at. And listen to this burden. I have great sorrow. I have unceasing anguish in my heart. He's broken. There's something that it's just like, it's like killing him. It is keeping him up at night. So he's got to do something. That, and then this is amazing, this next verse. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, whose God over all forever praised. Amen. For I, that verse three, for I wish that I myself were cursed. Now this is a man who said that for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. He's a man who said, the only thing that matters with me, to me is my relationship with Jesus. And he said, I would give that away if it meant that the people of Israel would be saved. Wow. I mean, that's a burden. I would be separated from God eternally if that meant that my people could be saved. I don't know. You know, Charles Spurgeon said, he says, I pity, every, talking about this verse, he said, I pity every man who does not have that burden. Like, boy, geez, Charles, I don't know. I mean, would you, would you be willing to trade that? Now, of course, it's an impossible trade. The only way to come to Christ is through Jesus. The only way to be forgiven is by his blood, right? So Paul can't ever make that sacrifice. But I don't know, that, that's a pretty heavy burden. That's a big trade. But these two men, Paul and Charles Spurgeon, were two of the greatest evangelists our world has ever seen. Why? Because they are so burdened. They can't handle it. They've got to do something about it. You see, they become some of the most effective preachers leading so many people to Jesus. And here's the thing. Every single one of us has the potential to go and be a world changer. You just need a burden. You need a Holy Spirit burden. Now, how do you get a burden? How do you start caring about the loss? How do you care about those around you? You know what? It all starts, the first point in your notes, first point in your bulletin here, it all starts with seeing. If you see them, you will gain a burden for them. If you see them, you'll care. You know, um, our extending grace ministry, if you went to the growth track years ago, I don't really talk about it in growth track anymore, but the way that that ministry started, and so we have a ministry now, we have three full-time staff, and what they do is, or not all full-time, one full-time and two part-time, and they go and they serve our underserved neighborhoods, and that's their job, is to go out and to reach people in our neighborhoods that, that have less resources. And so the way that it, that all started is about a decade ago, there's a realtor in our church and he said, uh, Carl, I want to take you, and he called it, I want to take you on the Unchamber of Commerce tour. And what he said is, uh, what that means is I'm going to take you to every single place that the Chamber of Commerce does not want businesses to see before they decide if they're going to move here or not. And I'm going to show you every single neighborhood. And so we just drove around town. And he took me through his neighborhoods. He didn't say a whole lot, but he just showed me what was there. And you saw many houses or, and trailers that just, you know, they had cardboard for windows. And I, and I was there. And these are neighborhoods I've driven by, but I'd never been in. 
and God spoke to me so clearly as we were in one of these neighborhoods. Probably one of the clearest times I've heard God speak, and it was simply this. I heard the Holy Spirit say, what are you gonna do about this, son? See, God has blessed us with so many resources. He says, what are you gonna do about it? I've given you what you need. Are you gonna do something? It's like, I don't know, what should I do? And so as I'm talking to that realtor, he had gone down on a foreign mission trip and they did the, the Jesus film and they would go out to these villages and with generators and show the Jesus film to these neighborhoods and say, hey, I could do movies. I know how to do that. And so actually that's when Friday night film started is that we would go into these neighborhoods and then we would just put up our films and we, I mean, we would show like Kung Fu Panda and things like that, not the Jesus film. And, and then we would go and we'd have pizza and we'd get to know these kids. And you know what? I saw them. And my heart started to go out to them. And that's how that ministry was born. See, have you seen them? That's how you develop a burden is you open your eyes. You see those around. And see, and if all that you see day in and day out is golf courses and mimosas, you know what, you're only gonna find a burden for your handicap. That's all that's gonna grow, right? If all you see is, is cool mountain streams and rivers, you know, you're just gonna, you're gonna develop a burden for the fly hatch, but there's so much more. I was on my uh, bike uh, a couple weeks ago. I was over by the roundabout. And as I was going down through there, the bike trail, I mean, there was just graffiti everywhere. And I was like, uh-uh, not in my city. I've got a burden for this city. Just, listen, that's a spiritual thing. I'm like, we're, we're, I'm not gonna sit there and just watch that. I'm gonna fight and I'm gonna pray for them and I'm gonna pray against this. And so actually on uh, uh, the Serve the City, I've started a little graffiti group. I, the city's actually done a pretty good job cleaning up a lot of it, but I'm gonna get the rest of it. And if you wanna help me do that, you can sign up for that. And, we're, and I'm just like, no, I've got a burden for this. And because I have a burden, I'm going to do something about it. Instead of just say, oh, that's a shame. Somebody ought to fix that thing. Somebody ought to help them. Somebody ought to care. God's putting that burden in your heart because you are the somebody you're the one. And so that, that's a little sign to me when I'm like, mm, it's like, oh, that means I'm supposed to do something about that. I want you to understand they are all around you. Can you see them? In your schools and in your work, the hurting, they are all around you. In your neighborhood, the lonely, they are all around you. Can you see them? And you go into the store and the frightened people are everywhere. Do you see them? And when you see them, can you see them with the eyes of Jesus Christ? Or, or do you just go like, oh, bruh, that's a masker or a non-masker, that's a blah, blah, no. Do you see them as Jesus sees them? Man, there's fear everywhere. Hurt everywhere. You just got to see them. And then you start to get a burden. And when you have a burden, you have to act. And when you act, you change the world. So I asked my daughter, Joy, to take pretty much the rest of the service here. Because something happened to her. She was gone for a year. She did a, a DTS with YWAM, and then she did the School of Evangelism. She went to Africa a couple times. She's on fire. And she's agitating my family all the time. I was like, oh, I'm praying for this person. I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I was just like, ah, I'm the pastor. I guess I should do that too. But there's a fire and she's seen something. So I've asked her to come and share a little bit about what she's seen. So will you welcome my daughter, Joy? Thank you. Oh, thank you.
All right, so as my dad said, um, for the past year I've been doing stuff with Youth with a Mission, um, which is a youth missions training organization. Um, and I've lived in five states and I've gone to Africa twice in the past year. And going to these states and to Africa, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of amazing things. I've seen God heal people. I've seen God do the impossible. But I've also seen a lot of broken people. I've seen a lot of people who have no hope. I've seen a lot of people who don't know what tomorrow will look like or if tomorrow will even come. So one time we were in um, Philadelphia and we went to this neighborhood called Kensington. And this neighborhood is unique because this neighborhood is filled with homeless people. This neighborhood is filled with people who are addicted to drugs and this neighborhood is filled with people who have no hope. And I heard we were headed to work with the homeless people and I was terrified because homeless people is something that I'm terrified of and it's something I never wanted to do but I knew that God had something there for me. And so as we were driving over there, our leaders were getting us prepared. They were telling us what we were gonna see, what we were gonna experience. Don't be afraid. We're doing something bigger than ourselves. And the whole time I was just getting more scared. The whole time I was just shaking like, God, please get me out of this, I can't do it. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I move the wrong way? What if they take me? What if I get hurt? But God said, I'm bigger. And so we're going into Kensington, walking on these streets, and you can see these people like right there, just shooting up. People passing out because they're so drugged up. You see these kinds of abuse that you would never wish on anybody. Abuse that you didn't even think was real. And I was walking down these streets and I was terrified. God, I don't want that to happen to me. God, why does this happen to these people? God, this problem is bigger than I am. This problem is bigger than our team. It's bigger than the police. They've given up. God, what are we going to do about it? So I had the choice. I had the choice to continue to walking in fear, or I had the choice to walk in love, to walk in God, and to walk in his promises. And so God kindly reminded me of this verse in 1 John. It's 1 John 4.18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So I had the choice, the choice to surrender my fear and let love take the place where my fear was. I had the choice to walk in love and let God use this day to change my life and their life, or I could continue to walk in fear and just wish to get out of there. And thankfully, God met me where I was at, reminded me of his word that there is no fear in love. And he helped me live in his love. And he helped me surrender my fear. And it was eye-opening. Because when I chose to see these people with love, when I chose to see these people the way that God sees them, my heart broke. Because I went from being terrified to being, I don't even have the words. But I saw these people for how broken they were. And I saw these people for how desperate they were but I also saw how much God loved them and how much God desired for them to live in freedom and how much for God desired for these people to know him. And so I walked away from this knowing that there's broken people everywhere. There's broken people in Montrose and it's a big problem. It's a big problem that we can't do on our own. But Matthew 28, the Great Commission, tells us that God will be with us and he calls us to something that's bigger than we are. We're called to go. So the second point is it starts with surrender. 
For me, it was surrender from pride, surrender from fear, from comfort, from doing things my way. It was a decision to let Jesus come in and have control. It was a decision to lose my life and find it in Jesus. It was a decision to say yes to being awkward, to praying for that person when it was inconvenient and it would hold the team up. It was a decision to reach out to that coworker or that teammate who was having a hard day. It was a choice to reach out to that client who you know needs just a little bit of encouragement. I want you to take just a second and I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want me to surrender? Go ahead, do it. I believe he spoke to you, and if he didn't, keep asking him. Because when we choose surrender, we're choosing the will of God. And we, we choose to lay down our fears and our what ifs down, we're allowing room for Jesus to come in and move in places where he couldn't move because our fear was taking up space. We allow Jesus to come in and move in places where our pride was too big for him to do anything. So lay it down and step in freedom and let him use you in ways he couldn't. So I've learned that a missions mindset starts small. That's the third point, it starts small. So my dream is to let Jesus use me to change the world, which for a little small town girl seems very intimidating. It seems impossible. And it's not something that I could do, but I know the man who can. And I can give him my yes and he can use me and he can use you to change the world. He wants to change it. He wants to use us, but we're so good at coming up with excuses. Things like, God, I don't have enough money, or I don't have the right words, I don't know what to say, I'm not equipped. I can't do that, are you crazy? That's not comfortable. But God's not looking for an excuse. He's looking for someone who will say yes. So I had this big, huge dream to change a world. I was like, God, this is big, I can't do it. He gave me a way to look at it that made a little more sense. And it's the idea that Rome wasn't built in a day. So there's this huge empire that we know as Rome, and they did so many amazing and big things. And I have this Rome-sized passion, but if you look at Rome, it was built brick by brick. And to build these bricks, the people had to gather the materials to make them. The people had to make blueprints and plans of how they were going to do this. And God showed me that this Rome-sized passion of mine to change the world starts with one brick. And I need to gather the materials, and I need to get the bricks, and I need to start going. So how do we gather these bricks? How do we go? Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, <clears throat> with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So it's as simple as loving God and loving others. And because we love God and because we love others, we say yes to him. We lay down what we want, and we say yes to his plan of goodness. Love is found in the surrender of fear, in the surrender of what if or I can't. Perfect love is secure. 
And a good foundation is built on love. It's built on God who is love. So what is the foundation of your own size passion built on? Because I want mine to be built on Jesus, his word, his goodness, and his love. In high school, the last thing I wanted to do was become a missionary. I didn't want to do discipleship training school or DTS. I didn't want to move to Texas, especially in July. (laughs) But I knew God had something bigger. And I knew that God had told me that I needed to be obedient. And God had made it so clear that Texas in July was what I was supposed to do. But I was like, God, could we go to Australia? I heard their schools there, like Australia's a lot cooler. But everywhere I looked, I saw signs about Texas. I saw license plates about Texas. I saw ads about Texas. I even met people. Like everyone I talked to was from Texas. And I was like, okay, God, we're going to Texas. Um, I couldn't compromise the will of God. And I knew I had a choice. I could choose to build this brick and say yes and be obedient and go to Texas in July, or I could do it my way. And I could go to Australia, and who knows what would have happened. Come to find out, Australia was in lockdown when the school started, so God saved me there. (laughs) It's funny how he knows. But my choice to surrender my will and take a step that I didn't want to take led to big opportunities for God to move. It led to opportunities where I could see things that I wouldn't be able to see. It led to opportunities of complete and radical transformation in my life and in others' lives. So if you have a Rome-sized passion, or if you have this feeling that you were made for more, or if you're craving to do something more, I'd encourage you, start gathering the materials, start building bricks. Take small steps of obedience. Take small steps towards knowing God. Take small steps, read his word, get to know him. Reach out to that coworker, reach out to that person across the street. Plug in, do things he calls us to do. So some opportunities we have here for you to plug in are to serve, to join Extending Grace, to join the Dream Team, to get in a small group. We actually have a small group coming up um, starting August 5th called Go. And it's a small group where we spend time learning to hear the voice of God, learning how to pray for other people, what to do when it seems like God isn't moving. And then also once we do all that, we'll go out to the town and we'll pray for people and we'll apply what we learned and we'll go. So there should be a QR code, there you go. You can scan that, Um, it'll give you more information and a way to sign up or you can talk to one of us about it after service. But it's a great way, a simple way to start building bricks. So I have a question for you. What are you waiting for? Because for me, it was once I graduate. For me, it was once I settle down, once I have enough money. For some people, it's I can't do that. For some people, I don't know how. But God's not looking for an excuse or a reason why we can't. Because we will always have an excuse. And once we reach that first excuse, I guarantee you, you'll come up with another one. You'll come up with another reason not to do it. God's not looking for someone who feels ready. He's looking for someone who will say yes. If God called me to YWAM when I felt like I was ready, I never would have gone. I had doubt, I had disbelief, but by Jesus' grace, he gave me this mustard seed-sized faith. 
And because I had that, I was able to step on it. And I was able to step into his good plans for my life. And I was able to step into his promises and his provision because I chose faith. And because I chose to say yes to the hard thing. But I wonder what would have happened if I chose to not go. I wonder what would have happened if I chose disobedience. So growing up, my life was great. Um, My parents are amazing, as you all know. My life was pretty easy. It had a couple ups and downs, but that's just life. Um, But I believed a lie. I believe the lie that since my life was good, God couldn't use my story. See, I believe that a testimony is a story you have to have where you hit a rock, bo- a rock bottom where there's no hope and God comes in and changes everything. And I didn't have that. And I believe that since my life story was useless, I had to make one that was. And so my plan was after high school, I would graduate, go to college, I would party, and I would waste my life away so that God could save me. And then I could have this amazing story to tell people. But let me tell you something. God has made you for more than to waste your life away so he can save you. Jeremiah 20, you can clap for that. God's good. (laughs) Jeremiah 29 and 11. If you don't know it, learn it, repeat it, rest in this promise. It says, if I can find it, sorry. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you guys realize what that says? When we choose God's plan, we're choosing hope. When we choose God's plan, we're choosing future. When we choose God's plan, we're saying no to harm. We're choosing God. Surrender is choosing God's plan over what we think our good plan is. And I don't know what would have happened to me if I said no to YWAM, but I know it wouldn't have been good. But now I'm able to look back. And I'm able to see how God has given me testimony after testimony of his healing, of his power, of his intervention, of his provision. I could go on and on of all the things he's done because I said yes. I gave him little yeses. I said things, said yes to things that I didn't necessarily want to do, but I knew I was supposed to do them. And I would have missed so much if I didn't say yes. So the fourth point is it starts with a yes. Let's look at the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we see in this we're called to go, we're called to make disciples, and we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But if you look at verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. We realize that the commission started before it even started. The commission started when the disciples chose to go. When the disciples chose to take their time out of their day and go where Jesus told them to go up the mountain. And I wonder, 
What would have happened if a couple disciples that day decided to sleep in? Or if a couple disciples that day were too busy to go up the mountain? Maybe I'll go the next day. What would happen if the disciples chose to keep working, to keep being too busy? They would have missed the commission. They would have missed the last moment with Jesus. The commission is a privilege. It's an honor. It's not an obligation or a requirement. But what would we miss if we didn't say yes? What would we miss if we chose our way over his way? So what's on the other side of yes? What is on the other side of stepping into the presence of Jesus? It's living in and with him. It's being a part of things that are bigger than us. It's being a part of things that are on the heart of God. It's being a part of that Jeremiah 29, 11 promise of good plans, hope, and future. Do you realize what we get to do when we lay down what we want and we say, God, have your way? He's a good God and he has good plans. I believe God speaks. And I believe that he has a yes for you. And I believe God knows what your next now is for each of us. And I believe that he's made you more, made you for more than a comfortable and complacent life. And I believe that he knows what that more you're craving is. You just have to ask him and he'll tell you because he's ready for you to say yes. He's not waiting for our excuses. He's waiting for our yes. So during the next um, worship song, I want to challenge you guys to ask Jesus, what's next? What's my next yes? What do you want me to surrender? What do you want me to do? And he'll tell you. So Isaiah 29, verse 13 through 19. Says the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths and hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You will turn things upside down as the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? So we have an option. And we have a way we can say yes. We can say yes like these people in Isaiah did. And we can say yes to religion and to ceremonies and to going to church and doing the right thing. And we can say yes to all these things and not even realize how far we are from the heart of God. Or we can say yes to the hard stuff. We can say yes to the things that we don't want to do. We can say yes to partnering with God and being the church. And you can grow a, fer a fertile field by your constant yeses, but the fruit of your mission determines on the yes that you give. And I believe very, very strongly that the best thing you could ever do is give your yes to God. So that's what we're living with now, my family. That's the fire we get to always be around, and I'm thankful for it. Praise God for it.
So, uh, you know, uh, Joy taught me something there uh, that I never noticed before, and, and that is that um, the disciples could have opted out of receiving the Great Commission. I never noticed that before. He said, now go up to the mountain. And they could have said no. And so it was that little act of obedience to even receive the plan, to even receive the Great Commission, they had to say yes to Jesus first. Okay, I'll go to the mountain. He didn't even know what they were going to do. They didn't know what they were going to receive. They could have said, no, not today. But that little yes led to the Great Commission. And I love what you said, Joy, about how, you know, we have this, listen, you have a Rome vision, a Rome size, a Montreux size vision, a work size vision. But it starts, you got to gather bricks. And how do you gather the bricks? You say yes. You obey. Okay, Father, help me to see them and I will walk towards them. I'll move towards them. I'll take this little step. I'll go up to the mountain to receive your words, to hear what it is that you want to do so I can move into all that you have for me. He said, I've I've got a burden for the lost. I have a burden for the lost here. You know why? Because I've seen, I've seen Jesus. I've seen who he is. I've seen how beautiful he is. His face is so beautiful. His heart is so beautiful. He's so loving. He's so kind. I know about the freedom that he's brought to me, the salvation, the things that he has taken me out of. I know the transformation that he brings. I've seen the transformation he's bringing in my daughter right now. I see the transformation he brings in people's lives. And you know what? I've also seen hell. I've seen hell on earth when people walk apart from him and away from him and the brokenness. And I cannot suffer the idea of people not knowing and tasting and seeing how good he is. I cannot suffer the idea. I mean, if you sit with the idea of hell for a little while, I just can't suffer the idea of people being a part of someone who is so wonderful, so beautiful, and so good. So I have a burden to obey him, a burden to follow and go forward. So what I want you to do right now is exactly what Joy challenged you to do. So as we sing this next song, let's just stand up together. And as we sing this next song, I want you to think about, okay, Jesus, what is the yes? What do you want me to say yes to right now? And I'm going to pray for you as you stand. So Lord Jesus, I just thank you. God, I thank you for the call that you have on our lives. Lord, I thank you for the transformation that you bring. And Lord, you are so lovely. You're so beautiful and you're so good. And Lord, we say like Isaiah, here we are. Send me. God, I'm ready to say yes. And Lord, I want a Rome-sized vision, but I'll start with a brick. So Lord, would you show every single one of us, just right now as we sing, God, as we praise you for your goodness and your glory and your beauty, we show each of us just one brick, one yes that we can say today, one yes we can say tomorrow. Lord, that's going to lead to a greater commissioning, a greater vision. It's going to change this city. It's going to build the kingdom of God. So Lord, deliver that to us, God. We say yes, and we will obey, and we will follow. We will surrender as we seek in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.